record. You ready? Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 40 and 20 podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm all right. Just okay. all right. Just yeah. medium. I've been eating, I've been eating for like 48 hours straight. Nice. So I've got a bit of a food baby. Yeah, I could tell. I've got a bit of a food baby. Smell I really, but. I think I pooped like 11 times today. Uh, that's what happens when you break keto. Right. Just nothing, <laughs> nothing goes right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, other than that, I'm good. I uh, watched the football game, played some cribbage with my wife. Um, I I ran this morning, which is always nice. It's nice. But like in the middle of the run, I'm always like, fuck this. And then afterwards, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I see. I didn't just fuck this the entire way from the first mm. step to the last. And oftentimes it's only like five steps. I'm like, nah, I'm done. This isn't going to happen. <laughs> Those five steps were terrible. No, that was that was more than enough. No, you know what? I love running. Uh, running long is not, uh, is, is, it gets boring, right? Yeah. You, you know, I was running for just over two hours today. That's so dumb. And it, it gets a little boring. I listen to podcasts though. I would get bored. I mean, I get bored of a lot of two hour movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's on the couch with beer. Yeah, that's those right. are my three favorite things: sitting, drinking, and zoning out. Yeah, well, I like those things too. You know me. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that I get bored doing my three favorite things. You got to stay active, man. I'm I'm not getting any younger. No, that's true. I'm not getting any younger. Uh, how are you? Good. I mean, I also watched a football game. I have not eaten as much as you in the last 48 hours, mm-hmm. but I ate a whole mess of barbecue fare today for the game. I had some burnt ends, some Swedish meatballs, some chicken wings, mm. and then there was a crock pot filled with uh, like jalapeno chicken cheddar dip. Fuck. There was one filled with uh, beer cheese soup, and then there was a big crock pot filled with chili. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? And I did it. I mixed all three of them together, and then I... Cr- and then I, I broke up some cornbread, put it in, and it was delightful. It was one of the best things I've ever eaten. It's It sounds delightful. And you did not have to cook because you were working. Yeah, I was working all day. So I just showed up to the party and started eating. Because normally eating. you would have like had to cook everything. Yeah, normally I would I would have done like the whole fare. I probably would have like done a brisket or a pulled pork or, or some variety of something delicious. And uh, didn't have to do any of that today. It's great. I love it. Nothing, nothing quite like showing up for the party. And so just to be clear, it's Super Bowl Sunday in case you're listening and you couldn't figure that out. Yeah, uh, there's only one football to watch in February unless you're tuning into the XFL. When does that start? Is that starting like now? Right? I think it starts this weekend. Yeah. Oh, does it? I think so. So I think St. Louis is getting an XFL team. Oh, that's the only thing they can handle, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh on on that on that note we should introduce our guest who uh everybody'll know everybody'll know because you'll have read this is an interview with so and so and and I'm just going to say before he before we give him a chance to talk he is literally working as we sit as we sit I can see him with a mallet in his hand uh but today we've gone on Eric from EA8 Eric how are you I'm all right how are you guys doing Good. We're great. Really happy to have you, and also really, really excited to get just a little sneak peek at the uh, at the workings from a different camera angle than we're used to. Usually, we just see like the over the shoulder view, but seeing your facial expressions and and watching it go down was 
I liked that. A little peek behind the curtain. Was I making funny faces? No, it was just the focus and the and also laughing at us and kind of heckling us just with your eyes. I liked that too. Yeah. <laughs> so Thanks. so uh I'm curious. I'm curious when you record your hands videos, what what's your setup for that? Um I got a tripod, uh just a little uh Amazon tripod that I use for uh, macro shots on my proper camera. And I have a cell phone holder that I hook it up to. So you can actually see the feet of the tripod in some of the videos because I'm lazy. You just sort of stick it between your legs and. No, I stick it to the side. Okay. um, And I kind of shoot at an angle to my hands. um, My, my jacked up hands that people commented about, but, uh, fuck them. Whatever. Working man's hands. Working man's hands. Yeah. (laughs) So, Eric, uh, we, we've just sort of gone into it, but why don't you introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, um, yeah, and, and, and why you're on our show today. Well, you asked me, and I was like, <laughs> sure, I can make some stuff up for an hour about leather. Um, <laughs> on, uh, I guess everybody knows me from uh, Instagram. Um, on there, I'm at EA8 and EA Leather Goods. Uh, I don't post a lot on the EA Leather Goods, pretty much finished products. Most of my uh, making of the straps, I, I try to, lately I've been trying to dual post to both, but um, I'm real busy, so those are kind of hit or miss when I post them. I have no set schedule with anything. Um, I make watch straps predominantly, um, that's what people are going to know me for. I didn't start out making watch straps, that's kind of something I, I backed into, Um because I was making leather goods anyway, and I got the watch bug super bad. And, yeah. uh, yeah. We know, um, we know how always, that goes. Yeah. You know, I've always been the kind of guy that wears a watch and, um, kind of doing the EDC thing. Um, I started seeing watch straps and wallets, and I'm like, I'm not going to pay that much what these guys are asking. That's, that's ridiculous. I'll do it myself. Uh, it's more expensive to do it yourself. So, yeah, it is. Yeah, it turns out. Um, yeah, yeah, it turns out it was a it was a, a lot more expensive than if I would just buy it. But that's kind of how I am. So here I am. That sounds familiar. Yeah, you know it's how both I can do that. It, it's how both of us are too. I, you know, we've spent we've spent thousands and thousands and thousands stop of saying, dollars. Stop saying the adding the thousands. Trying to save hundreds of dollars, yeah. right? <laughs> if even that exactly. Much. Yeah. It's the no. story yeah. of my life, uh, story of Andrew's life too, as well. I know. So, uh, EA EA Leather Goods, EA Leather Goods. We came to know you uh, a number of months ago, just sort of by your Instagram presence, and you know, figured out what you did. Sparked up a conversation. You occasionally wear cool shoes. I was like, I like shoes, uh, and you make pretty neat straps. You make, I think, one of the most uh, sought after custom leather straps in the, in the quote unquote watch fam. I, I think, it, w- w- do you think that's, that's fair to say? Uh, within our circle. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other guys that I know, um, that are in like this, this bespoke, uh, strap kind of genre. Um, cause you could, there, there's a lot of great leather workers out there that are making a lot of good straps. Um, but I, the way I do it is it's completely custom to exactly what the customer wants. I don't make any, I don't 
right as of right now i don't have any pre-made um pre-cut straps you know um i just i don't have the time nor do i really want to turn out 40 40 straps at once that all look the same because everybody's wrist size is different so 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 I want to circle back a little bit. You said you got mm-hmm. started into watch straps because you caught the bug, but you were doing leather work before that. Let's talk a little bit about your leather work. Was that another just a I, I can do this or was it was it something that you've you've done, you've had a passion for? Kind of want to trace that trajectory. The the leather goods started. Um, I needed a new wallet. And at that time, I guess it was six or seven years ago, seven years ago. Um, those minimalist wallets were really popular on the EDC forums, uh, uh, everydaycarry.com and, uh, you know, high consumption. And I was like, that's bullshit. I'm not paying 80 bucks for two pieces of leather stitched together. I can do that. I know how to draw. I can stitch. I mean, how hard could it be? Little did I know. Um, so I went out to like Joanne's Fabrics or Michael's or something. I got some pleather. And I got some needle and some thread and I sketched out what I wanted and I put together a really crappy wallet. It sucked. Um, it didn't really hold anything. It was too small. And then <laughs> I, I kind of went from there. Uh, you know, I started out with a, a utility knife, an ice pick, a needle, some crappy thread and some pleather. And then it just kind of it snowballed, you know. What were you doing so, with the ice pick? I, it Punching. was like my mother-in-law's ice pick when she she moved in with us of like, okay, ice pick, that's going to be pretty good to poke holes. So <laughs> I just pretty much raided the kitchen utility drawer, and I'm like, oh, I can use that, and I can use that. I MacGyver the whole thing. And nobody's going to miss this. Like, nobody uses an ice pick yeah. anymore. So, yeah, it's my ice pick now. I still have it. It's actually right here on my uh, – yeah, for audio, this doesn't help, but you know, that's, there's the ice pick. Is it still getting any use? Hold, keep keep holding that. Keep holding that. Hold that up. I just screenshotted it. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I use it all the time. It's it's great as a scratching owl. Um, oh yeah. When I when I do uh, when I do thick because I make holsters too from wallets and I went to holsters uh, for firearms and the leather on holsters is really thick Mm -hmm. and you have to have a consistent hole from the top to the bottom smaller. It's, and it's hard to get through. So you kind of set your holes and then straight down through one top and then it leaves an indent in the bottom and you flip it over and then you got to put another dent. It's a whole process. I'm probably doing it wrong, but it's the way I know how to do it because I'm completely self-taught. I don't know any leather, other leather smiths i've never met them in person i've never gone to any leather shops there's no how to make leather schools so it's kind of like me and youtube and watching how people do stuff and saying okay i can probably do that and then some trial and error and a lot of error yeah yeah <laughs> a, a, a lot of error and i have boxes pounds of crap straps that i got to one point and just it wasn't working so you start over again it's easier to start over than the fixed mistakes with leather. That's what I found. Hmm. And, and, you know, really the raw materials aren't, aren't cheap, but at the end of the day, your, your labor is more expensive than, than the raw materials. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's, that's definitely true. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I've actually got, uh, some DIY experience in leather goods myself. Uh, and one of my inspirations was actually you seeing, seeing, you know, I think I was sitting, uh, in the, in the chair in the front room and this has been, 
gosh, this has been two years. I mean, it's before we started the podcast. And I think you posted like a story segment and you had a uh, you had a comb, uh, you know, for for stitch, a stitch comb, you know, uh, what do you mm-hmm. call this? What do you call this tool? Pricking irons, a, a pricking iron. You had a pricking iron and yeah. you were you just had a a normal leather strap and you had you had used some sort of awl to sort of trace a line and you were just mm-hmm. running a pricking iron down. And I was like. I can yeah, do that. I can fucking do that. <laughs> like, like if this asshole can do it on Instagram, I mean, I can do it. Yeah, why not? I actually, I I get a lot of pleasure. A lot of guys contact me. They're like, "Hey, man, how do I get into it?" And I'm like, "Here you go. I'll, I'll type up a little word document, send it to them. Like, this is the supplies you should start out with. This is this is kind of the process. You have any questions? Send me a DM. And I've helped. I've helped like five, six guys through it. And some of them caught the bug. The other guys are like, this is bullshit. This is hard. So <laughs> you get the word, you send them a word document and a week later, you've got an order placed from them. <laughs> yeah. That's happened twice. So yeah. Like, but, you know, I'd rather it. teach somebody how to do it than to just, you know, if they're interested, I'll, I'll totally teach somebody how to do this because I mean, it's not hard. It's hard to get it consistently right. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, you know, kind of like with photography, anybody can shoot a thousand pictures and get two or three good ones, but to consistently have, you know, good, good photos. So you, you've got to work at it, right? That's the, that's the bottom line. You've repetition and iterations. Yeah. It's that 10,000 hour theory, right? Right. So, yeah. So you've got all this leather work. What prompted this? The, you, where did, where did the watch bug come in? My first, okay, so in my job, I transferred from, um, I transferred into a position where I was going to be dressing up every day. And I'm like, well, I guess I need to find a fancier watch than a G-Shock. And so. (laughs) Good on you, because a lot of people don't do that. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And they look really cool in a suit and a G-Shock. But you can pull it off if you have the confidence. I do it Um, some days and just not the big one. Uh, but so I got a Timex weekender because that's about the budget I was looking at. Um, 50 bucks. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's at that time to me, not being well versed in how expensive watches can get. I bought a weekender and I hated the strap. I'm like, well, I got all this leftover leather. Um, I've seen, you know, single pass leather straps. So I made a single pass leather strap with, um, a brass knob on it that you kind of fit through the hole. Sure. And then I started researching more watch straps and I saw a YouTube video from Hermes on how they made straps and how they finished straps. I'm like, well, holy shit, I'm going to try that. That's not science. That's that's Hermes and it's still not science. Yeah. It's uh, wow. I watched the, these ladies put the, edge paint on it and it was just the precision and the speed i'm like holy shit so that's how i kind of got into watch straps and then i had a conversation with kaz from two watch snobs because he knew i was starting to make straps and i believe uh terry from toxic tomatoes and they're like well start selling watch straps man and i was kind of nervous about it but i kind of just jumped into it started selling off of uh, instagram did you get traction right away from, from even your earliest products? Um, you know, they were, 
because I was at such a low price point, people were willing to take the chance mm-hmm. on nev- never really having seen my straps in person before. Um, at that time, I was selling straps for 40 bucks a piece. Jeez Louise. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really good at business. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's just like a drug dealer. First one's free. I mean. Right. The first one's free. Yeah. That's how I get you. Um, so I was selling $40 watch straps and they weren't the greatest. Um, they're kind of now that I look back at it, it's kind of embarrassing. And I've, I've sent out some straps to people to kind of make amends for my embarrassment of the strap that they bought. But, uh, and they, they picked up, um, pretty consistent. Um, and then during the holiday seasons, it picks up more, you know, I've been making straps now for, I think five years. So it, it's, I'm so busy at work. It keeps me busy with leather because I'll get four or five orders a month and then nothing for two months, but I'll still have those four or five orders. Cause it takes me about six to eight weeks to turn an order around. Is that a function of the labor going into that strap or limited time to be able to work on it or some kind of combination of the two? It's limited time. Definitely to be able to sit down at my bench and then some of these straps I'm making, it, the progression, it, they're getting harder to make. I'm making a, a strap. I have six straps on my table now. Um, they range from uh, Oris Aquas um, to a, a Casio, um, what is it, the 1300, the WM1300 or something like that. Um, the AE1300, you know, a Zodiac, Seawolf, uh, Grand Seiko, uh, GMT. So they run the gambit, but some of these straps are, they've got funky lugs. So the math has to be really tight. Like the Orisakos. Yeah, that that is, I've been working on this strap for my buddy uh, who does watch reviews, watch clicker. Um, I've been working on the strap for four months, like no shit. And I'm like, hey man, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's taken so long, but this strap sucks. It's, I've made this strap eight different times. And it still doesn't come out to where I feel good about sending it out. So I think I'm on the final one now. I think this one's actually going to work. So, well, so beyond just uh, beyond just the types of straps you're making, you know, the watches you're making straps for. Um, can you walk us through a little bit about the evolution of your strap making process? You said you, you mentioned that you know some of your early straps are embarrassing to you now, and I think that that's that's a function of being someone who cares about what they do. Right. You, you know, we listen back to some of our earliest podcast mm. episodes, even and some like, recent episodes. We're like, Oh man, I can't believe we published that, you know? <laughs> and, and, but that's okay. Right. Because that's sort of the evolution of where we've come. And, you know, we understand that, that when that happens, we learn something. Uh, I'd like to know just in terms of, you know, what you've learned and how you've developed, how has that changed a little bit? You know, what, what were you doing? What was your, uh, w- workflow and your process in the beginning. How, how was that? How has that evolved? A lot of it is just learning the tricks and trades. Um, leather comes in different, um, uh, finishes. So one finish isn't going to cut or tool, uh, or stitch the same as another. I didn't know that in the beginning. Um, tools play a big, uh, big part in it. Uh, better tools are, are going to give you more consistency. Uh, the finish is going to be better. Um, the products and the type of leather I use, I was using cheaper leather in the beginning because I didn't know any better. 
to where now I I try to exclusively buy from American tanneries if mm-hmm. I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's hard because there's a, there's a big demand for those and you can't always get the stuff in stock, but I just, I feel better buying from American tanneries and they make solid, they make great product and that helps a lot. A good leather will turn out a really good strap if you, you don't completely fuck it up. Sure. But, uh, you know, but just, just the time, the making, the repetition, the, the tricks in the trade, you know, that's how the quality gets better. What about construction? How has your construction changed? Uh, since you started, um, I've learned that some some lugs, uh, especially the, the the hidden lugs, uh, you have to shave the leather down really, really, you know, a millimeter. Um, and at first, I wasn't backing those correctly, so the leather was stretching. But um, did some research, and there's a, a fabric you can buy that I now incorporate between the top and the bottom. Uh, leather pieces before they're smashed together so it gives it a little bit more reinforcement so that leather doesn't stretch is that um, that's like a, some sort of silk or or something yeah it's like a silk or or, or a polyester i think we um, talked about that at some point you and i talked about that at some point yeah we did uh, uh yeah um a couple months ago yeah. three or four months ago we talked about that but yeah um the edge edge paint I was using a uh, not a great edge paint, and then I started picking up the same stuff that uh, Hermes uses um, because it just works better, you know. Um, so it's just like the I, all the money I've made off straps, I've turned right back into the, my business of making straps um, or leather goods. So when I sell you, you know, a couple straps, I buy another tool. <clears throat> Well, so uh, you had mentioned some American uh, tanneries that you like to buy for. Uh, who are you sourcing most of your leather from these days? Um, uh, there's a couple shops that I uh, I use. Uh, Mavericks out in Bend, Oregon. Um, hey, we know, we, about that. we know about Bend, Oregon. Yeah. That's our neck of the right. woods. Yeah. Well, there's a great leather shop there uh, called uh, Mavericks Leathers. Um they have a lot of cool uh, Horween. Uh, they carry a lot of Horween seconds, um, which is an industry term for when it doesn't meet the standards of Horween's color or feel, they sell it as a second, um, which turns out a lot of unique colors and patterns on the leather, which I pick up a lot of because you're not going to see that color or texture or feel. Um, district leather supply. Um, out on the East Coast and uh, Rocky Mountain Leather, um, which is in Salt Lake City, I believe. So I buy from those three guys, those uh, companies mainly, and I pretty much only buy American tanneries. Uh, SB Foot, which is the in Red Wing, um, they make the Red Wing shoes or boots. Uh, Horween, which is up in Chicago, and um, Craig and Wick. Well, Wicket and Craig, I'm sorry. Wicket and Craig, which yeah. Which is in Pennsylvania. Yeah, which is in Pennsylvania. They have great leather. And then in my hometown, we have a Herman Oak tannery. Um, they've been around since the 1800s. And uh, I get a lot of my uh, just plain natural veg tan, which I use for the inside of the straps from that. Sure. sure. Um, you, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of tanneries, are, are these different tanneries doing 
different types of products? Are you using these for different things or does it just sort of depend on what's available and uh, what you're finding? Uh, uh, and, a lot of it has. Uh, well, I was going to say, obviously, Horween has, you know, Horween's famous for, I, I think, really two things, right? Uh, a number of things. But but recently, it seems like Chrome Excel leather is, I think, maybe the sexiest leather uh, that you can buy. I don't know if it's the best, but probably the sexiest. And um, and obviously Shell Cordovan, which a lot of people don't know what Shell Cordovan is, uh, but it's still a thing. And they're the they're the ones, they're the only ones that I can think of right now that consistently make a Shell Cordovan product. They're the only people in America that are making it. There's a, a couple other. Uh, there's an Italian uh, tannery that uh, has the shell. Um, yeah, they're known for their shell. Uh, which is stupid expensive and i i don't i don't buy it because it just it isn't cost the cost of what i'd have to buy it for i'd have to raise my prices to a place where i'm just not comfortable doing it yet um but yeah every tannery kind of has their own little niche um the chrome excel i use a lot i from horween i use a lot of their dublin series um and essex and the essex and dublin leathers go through the same process as a shell, but they're not horse, they're a uh, cow and they do a little wax process to it. So do you get a similar, a similar result? Um, they don't look like the shell, but it, it cuts really smooth. It has a great pull up effect. Um, I was using the Chrome Excel for a lot of stuff, but I was noticing that it was not taking abrasions really well. Um, it was scratching pretty bad. So I kind of steered away from that to a more, um, a little tougher, a little waxier finish. Sure. You know, cause that, that has a really smooth, glossy finish, you know, and it, it, it's great leather. Um, but on your wrist banging into stuff, you know, I try to, uh, I try to road test all the leathers before I go out and sell them. So tragic. That must be really hard. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we've got the background. Where, mm-hmm. where are we going moving forward? We know where you're at now. What's, uh, what have you got planned for, say, the next three years, the next five years in the way of production, in the way of new products, kind of new lines? What's, what do you got going? I've been sketching out products um, for the last year. And then when I get the time, I want to start uh, making them. I want to start making some messenger bags. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Um, because that... When I think about making a messenger bag, it's I can use all the stuff that I've learned, you know, the the, the French style of stitching, a box stitch, you know, the construction, because um, I'm kind of a, a, a bag whore. I have, I have tons of bags, backpacks, bags, messenger bags. I got them everywhere. Um, but there's always something wrong with it that I don't like so much. So I was thinking I'll just make my own bag. And I got it. I I got it in a full side of leather uh, a couple months ago to make a bag and just never got to it because I've been making watch straps. But I'm already making wallets. I've been doing that for years now. Um, holsters. I want to do a couple more designs on wallets. I think there's a couple uh, areas that I can change up that are going to be cool. Um, field notes, holders, the field notes, notebooks. I want to start making more of those again. And I've been making a lot of portfolios that hold legal pads Mm -hmm. and stuff. And when it comes to that, it's just I don't have the time to sit down and make something that large. Um, 
which is kind of ridiculous because I don't have time to sit down and make six straps all at once either, but I find time to do that. So that sounds familiar. It's just, yeah, yeah. I'd like to <laughs> kind of steer not away from watch straps, but drop down the amount of watch straps I'm making so I can make other products. What about, what about, um, you know, you, you touched on this earlier, but I don't think you finished this thought. Do you, any, any interest in, uh, production watch straps, you know, something where you do sell, um, you know, 40 of the same type of strap. Is that something you'd, you'd ever dip your foot into? Yeah. A, a lot of that has to do with my price point now. So how would I justify selling a pre-made watch strap, but still be able to get over my overhead on leather because I'm, my prices now are pretty low. Mm-hmm. I know that. And everybody else knows that. But if I'm using Has anybody ever leather, told you that before? Has anybody ever well, talked yeah, to you about that I, before? I hear it a lot. <laughs> I, 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 I've heard it from you guys. <laughs> I've heard it from the guys on two more watch knobs. I heard it from other guys that make a uh, leather straps. They're like, dude, you're, you're fucking killing us with your prices <laughs> because we're charging this much and you're charging half that. And I'm like, well, so I don't want to tell you. Drop your prices, buddy. Yeah, make a better so, product. And- <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Um, I'd like to be able to do some pre, uh, pre-made ones, but I know my prices are raising this year just because leather's getting more expensive. Shipping's getting more expensive. Um, buckles, buckles are getting expensive. Um, so that affects my, my ability to buy better stuff. So everything's going to have to come up this year. I'm kind of at the, at, at the bottom of where I can sell stuff at. Mm. So is your goal of expanding your catalog to kind of open, carve out a little corner of, of the internet for a, for a leather work store, or are you just wanting to kind of break away from watch straps and, and keep that passion alive with other similar, but, but still different projects? Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't need a store. I don't have a website. Um, everything I do is on Instagram. So I just want to not have to make watch straps that much because it's uh it was fun in the beginning but now it's like it's kind of becoming too much of a job mm-hmm. and i want to be excited about doing leather goods um you know and and to me that's doing something other than a watch strap or two every week you know it's it's getting kind of uh i'm getting kind of over it and talking to my other friends that make watch straps, they're all kind of feeling the same thing. So we're all trying to expand out to different areas, you know, to um, make uh, sunglass cases and uh, card holders and the phone stands, just something, something different mm-hmm. because, you know, watch straps is kind of like, I'm not going to be rich. I'm not going to corner the market on watch straps. You know, I kind of do it because it's, it's relaxing. It's, it's, it's like a meditation after my day at work and I'm making people happy because they're getting exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do you intend to still do all bespoke uh, leather goods or would you start having an inventory of portfolios and legal pad holders and bags? And No, everything's still going to be mm-hmm. bespoke. Um, I think the only thing that I would do pre-made is watch straps because then I wouldn't have to focus so much on making watch straps. Mm-hmm. It, would, it would free me up some time to be able to say, you know, somebody come in and say, hey, I want a portfolio of SD foot, you know, brown in color with red stitching. And I'm like, cool. 
you know, and I can cut all that stuff out and stitch it up and send it off. And then somebody orders a watch strap, I'll have three or four on hand and I don't have to worry about making watch straps. Mm So at this point, you do everything by hand, right? Obviously, you've got some sanders. Uh, I can mm-hmm. see I can see a belt sander right behind you in the corner. You gave us a little virtual tour of the shop earlier. Um, but one thing I didn't see, I didn't see any sort of walking foot or um, or sewing machine. Is that something, you know, as you move into bigger items that you might consider? No. Um, I... I will always do hand stitch stuff. I, I don't want a sewing machine. I don't want to spend $3,000 for a sewing machine. I like, that's my favorite part of doing the, the leather work is stitching. Um, it, it's cool. I like that. Uh, I think the only thing I'll do is, uh, I've been testing out, um, uh, clicker presses, uh, mm-hmm. the dies that cut out shapes. Um, I think when also I start, not cheap, right? Uh, the clicker press is expensive, but I have a um, I have an arbor press that I'm retrofitting to be able to fit a clicker press die in, so I can I can stamp out a bunch of stamps real quick, and I think that's how I can justify to myself that it's not completely handmade per se. I can drop the price on a little because I'm not spending so many hours cutting and sanding. It's just put in the leather. Uh, slam down the clicker press, and then there you go. You got your shape. Just glue it together and stitch it. And a pressed edge is uh, a, a, a clicker press edge is you, you can't replicate that. I mean, unless you've just got a super steady hand, right? That that's always been so. You know, I've made at this point what forty or fifty straps. I've made a handful mm-hmm. of wallets, but for me, the hardest thing is getting those edges right. I wound up doing a lot of sanding. Um, having that ability to cut, how, you know, how much time do you think that price saves you on a, on a strap? Uh, two hours. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah because right. right now I have templates. I have a 3d printer. So I, uh, got in the CAD and I made a bunch of, uh, templates and then I 3d, 3d printed a bunch of, uh, watch strap templates because a lot of people were asking for odd sizes, like 22 millimeter tapered down to 18. And I tried freehanding that and it sucked. It was terrible. And there's a lot of math and geometry involved. And I'm like, this is, I'm not doing this again. So I made a (laughs) a pattern. So I scratch out the, um, I scratch out the shape and then I freehand cut it, but I'm, I'm just, it's pretty much just falling the lines at that point. Right. So, yeah, but yeah, uh, hand cutting, um, no two straps are the same when you're hand cutting, you know, little, little, uh, deviations and stuff like that. But yeah, I'll still be hand cutting. Still hand cutting, still hand stitching. Still hand cutting, still hand stitching. Finished sanding, I do all by hand. The uh, the one sander I have there is uh, mainly for when I do uh, single pass natos. Uh, if I can't order the um, the leather sanded down to the right thickness, I'll do it myself. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's the thickness that's the issue. Yeah. <laughs> oh andrew you're welcome so another question that we've got for you what is your Mm -hmm. what does your personal watch collection look like so we knew about the g-shock and we know about the weekender what else have Mm -hmm. we got rocking over there as you've as you've caught this bug and and really steered pretty hard into it because i'm pretty sure i spy a gen one monster Mm -hmm. yeah gen one orange monster i have on right now 
on a <laughs> on a clashing uh, leather strap that is a camouflage pattern because that's the way I felt this morning. Um, <laughs> predominantly, I have I have a lot of Seikos. Um, majority of my watches are Seikos, ranging from you know I've, I've never really gotten to the super expensive watches. Um, my dream watch is is your Speedmaster, um, but I I still can't seem to get hit by a car. Yeah, it's my to dream watch one. too. Come to find, all you got to do is close yeah. your eyes when you walk into the crosswalk, and then yeah, right? boom. You think, think at some point I get hit by a car, but no. Uh, well, walk master. walk slower. That's yeah. walk, walk slower. slower. Yeah. yeah, trip in front of a car. I'll keep <laughs> that in mind. Um, Speedmasters on on my on my Grail list, um, but right now I've got mostly dive watches, uh, a lot of Seikos. Uh, last year I was. Uh, told myself I'm not going to buy a ton of watches. Um, and when I do buy a watch, it's going to be well thought out. And, um, I started picking up a couple of notice watches mm. cause those guys make great watches. Fucking and, hell. um, yeah, they're uh, pretty incredible. I actually, uh, they sent me one to do a little review, the contrail. That was a great watch. I had that for a week. Um, you only kept it That's for a, a week. We almost didn't send it back. Yeah, you know the yeah. thing is, they, they, you know, they can only do so much. You, <laughs> there was there was four guys waiting for me, and the guy right behind me is like, "Are you done with it yet? Are you done with it yet?" So I, I sent that off to him after a week. Um, that was a that was a cool watch. I I regret not picking one up. Yeah, they're um, great. We had the yeah. we had the sand, we had the sand twelve hour control for a while, yeah. and we would fight over it. We 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 meet once a week, you know. We meet once a week, and then, well, what are you gonna take? We'd fight over that one. We draw straws and put watches in, <laughs> in black velvet bags, and just pick up a bag, and yeah, it's a whole, <laughs> it's like a custody that, battle. <laughs> definitely a very cool watch. Um, but I I picked up a retrospect one, uh, in white, and mm. then when they came out with a retrospect two, I picked up that one in blue. And uh, what else did I buy last year? I bought a lot of cheaper Seikos, uh, a couple of vintage Seikos, uh, 6119s. Um, I picked one of those up, but yeah, mostly Seikos and, and divers. That's what I have. You have a favorite watch right now? Uh, no, and it's an issue because I have so many watches. I don't think I'm spending enough time with the watches because that makes me sound like a weirdo. Um I, I'm, I'm always going to be an SKX fanboy. I, I have six of them. Amen, man. You should look at yeah. uh, Everett's wrist right now. Yeah. Oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's a, it's a Mako. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I, I got. I have a Mako, too. Um, that was the second automatic watch I bought. I started with the SNK, then I went to a Mako, then I got the SKX. And then you were like, fucking Mako, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I, I like that watch. It fits... It fits uh, it fits perfect on my wrist. It, um, it's a killer watch. You, you know, yeah. I, I, I happened upon a Mako yesterday. Um, I, <laughs> Andrew and I went went fishing. We went steelhead fishing yesterday, and uh, I showed up at his house at six quarter after six, and I was like, "Fuck, man, I forgot a watch. Can I borrow something?" And I knew, I knew it, he was going to give me the Mako, and then I just kept it because the SSB is yeah. also still here. And there, there are only a few watches that I'm willing to to take to the river. Oh. <laughs> so now I have, so now I have a Mako. There you go. Yeah, yeah. No, I, get I back next week. and I have a Speedmaster. It's weird how that works. <laughs> <laughs> it's so 
sounds like a really fair trade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, uh, I'm an X, I'm an SKX fanboy too. You know, the thing is that watch is, uh, so mine is magnetized and I've had a hard time demagnetizing it. I'm going to have to have it professionally done. So it tells terrible time. It runs, yeah. I think about seven minutes fast right now, which is, which is super bad. Right. Uh, yeah. But I still wear it at least once or twice a week because I just I put put it on my wrist and I'm like, yep, this is it. This is the watch for me. Maybe you know, I I, I like it better. I like wearing it better than any other watch in my collection, including the Speedmaster. I just it's love a, wearing it. It's a great watch, and and I have a lot of them. Um, you know, I I modded one, and that's probably my favorite watch. If I'm if I'm not going to bullshit, uh, it's a modded SKX with a four R thirty two movement. And a uh, stainless steel Yoboki's 12-hour bezel insert, mm. and you, you just really don't need any more, you know. It, Black you know, dial. You can wind it. Yeah, well, wind it up, and then you know, if you want to set a different time zone, you just switch the bezel around. If you want to do, you know, if you want to count down, and just do a little bit of math. So, what's the 4R32 movement? What is that? It's the um, it's the one that's in the uh, turtle. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's the hacking hand widening seven mm. S yeah. base. Yeah, four R thirty six, four R thirty two. It's yeah, it's the hacking hand winding one. Okay. You know. All right. Fantastic. So, yeah. Yeah. so we I've actually got sort of a, a question for you. Uh this is uh this is a timely question, I think, because it's got to do with current events. But um you live in St. Louis. Yep. You live in St. Louis. St. St. Louis does not have an NFL team. No, yeah, we we finally got rid of those guys. I mean, yeah, we lost our football team. It's dramatic. Well, and then they made a pretty, I mean, a, a pretty well, bold run at the Super Bowl. Well, so uh, you've lost you've lost a football team. You lost a football team, yeah. and, and then and then you got a football team, sort of. Yeah, that yeah, that's, and then you lost a football heard. team. Yeah. So, so, do you have a football team, Eric? Uh, no. Yeah, I, I I don't have a football team. I I was born on the West Coast, so I'm I'm always going to be a fan of the Raiders and uh, the Chargers. Okay, you know, so, so SoCal. Yeah, SoCal. I was uh, born over in Huntington Beach, California. All right. So, well, how how about this? Because maybe this is a maybe this is a little bit more pointed question. Do folks from St. Louis hate or love? The Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I mean, generally speaking, obviously, there's good opinions are going to vary, but from my point of view, um, everybody that hates the Rams has jumped on the Chiefs bandwagon, and you know, you still got a lot of diehard younger guys that that love the Rams, and you know, they're sad that they left, but they still root for them. Um, it, Kansas City's pretty benign. I mean, I don't think we're really paying too much attention to what they're doing. It it, it gives. Because this is, you know, because winter here, there's not shit to do. Um, they're going to watch sports, so they're going to root for Kansas City because it's it's the home state team now. Yeah. So that's how I see that. But you guys are getting an XFL team. Uh, are we? The, 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 I didn't, um, the, the Hawks or something like that? or the, the Are we, he says. The Pigeons? <laughs> All right, fair enough. The uh, point taken. I th- I'm kind of excited for the XFL. Like just I'm enough. Excited. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're getting a, we're getting a soccer team. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know, yeah, they're, that's they're right. Building a new, yeah, they're building a new soccer facility, and I've played soccer all my life, and that's exciting, you know, because uh, I go into work early on Saturdays and Sundays when I work weekends during the days so I can watch the Premier League without anybody bugging me in the office. And so changing the I'm, channel on you. And... Yeah, yeah. You know, I get in there and I sit down, and I turn on the TV, and then nobody talks to me, and nobody turns the TV on because there will be violence if they turn the TV <laughs> off while I'm watching while I'm watching soccer. Do you, do you so, have a team? Are are you uh are you uh like a Manchester United guy or? Yeah, I'm a Manchester United guy. I knew it. I fucking knew you were a United guy. I'm a I'm a Man City guy myself. So. Oh yeah, those guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, when, when when I was growing up, Manchester United, they were the shit. They're, they're not that great anymore. But um, yeah, but, you know, a couple, like, couple bad like years. The, yeah, they're they're like the Yankees of uh of uh soccer. So you know they're always gonna during that time they were buying the best players and putting the best people out on the field. So sure, you know sure you you know they they had a few years they had a few years you know the Lampard years where they just could you you, you basically couldn't beat them. So no, yeah, they were unstoppable. It was ridiculous, and that's when I was uh growing up. So it was fun to watch. Cool. Well, um, so you, you're maybe not a football fan, but you are a football fan. Uh, excited for you guys is uh, MLS team. Portland's obviously uh, a, a big soccer city. We didn't get a, a yeah. we didn't get a pro team, you know, or an MLS team until fairly recently. But we've we've adopted them wholeheartedly. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you're downtown Portland on a on game day, it's it's nuts. So yeah, it's bonkers. We're 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 into it. Excited for the team. That'll be fun. No, that's 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 awesome. You guys are so lucky to have that because when I when I watch those games, you you've got really good soccer fans, you know. And um, I wish we had that here. I hope hopefully it's as successful in St. Louis as it is in Portland. So that's what I'm hoping for. I think I'm it'll for a team to root for. It'll help too, not having a another big uh, big sport team like in the way of yeah, you know, yeah. you're not going to have a football team that the soccer team will be the option for. I mean, outside of baseball. Yeah, well, that's right. It's it's soccer, you know, yeah. soccer and baseball season sort of overlap there. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see to see how that dynamic works. Yeah, and we got those Blues. They they won something last year. Um, Do people still watch hockey? I mean, look, Brett Hole has been dead for like thirty years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did you see him? Did you see him at the uh, at the Stanley Cup celebration? I saw him in person that whole week. Because he was in St. Louis celebrating, um, he was having a good time. He is <laughs> so, he is like America's drunk uncle. He was having so much fun. Good for him. <laughs> you know that's the goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never apologize for having a good time. Everybody has everybody has an uncle exactly like Brett Hall. Yeah, good old Brett Hall. He was uh yeah. Those boys had a they had a good week that week after they won. Yeah. So. All right. Well, well, good. Eric, give you a couple couple minutes to wrap on anything you want to related to the straps before we transition. We're going to we're going to transition away from watches as we do here. Anything about mm-hmm. watches you want to say before we move along? No. Um, yeah, watches. Yeah, I hate watches. <laughs> <laughs> Us too. No. Um, about the leather goods. Um I'm not the only strap maker out there. There are a lot of really good, really good artists making great leather products. If you don't buy from me, 
seek out somebody that's in your area that's local to you. I, I just, what I want to say is don't buy from those big, big name, um, media, oh, dinky. Watch, <laughs> yeah, those guys. Uh, um, do you have a cough? You're, uh, it was just a cough. I'm okay. I just don't, I don't, I just don't, I can't, I can't imagine giving them $150 for a watch strap when you could go to a guy like me or a girl or anybody that's making leather goods out of their basement or their garage or has a small storefront somewhere, buy from them because you can make a relationship with them and you can ask for things and you're supporting somebody that's doing something that they really love because you're not doing this leather stuff if you don't actually enjoy it. It's, it's a pain in the ass sometimes and it's just not worth it unless you like it. And those people are, you know, um, you want to name drop anybody? You clued me into Alex Vance like uh, a number of months ago. Um, and Alex makes totally fantastic stuff. Uh, anybody yeah, else guy. you want to name drop? Uh, Alex, of course. Um, Mark at Mark Straps, a uh, good friend of mine. He makes excellent stuff. He's kind of branching out too. Um, there's a guy in Connecticut, KH Leather. He makes a, doesn't make watch straps. He makes a lot of bags, a lot of wallets, um, you know, small leather items. He does fantastic work. His his stuff is so clean. And then if you're in the um, Austin or yeah Austin area, there's a guy down there, um, Odin Leather, that just opened up a business, a storefront. And when I started making leather stuff, I contacted him through DMs, and he was super helpful. He's a super good dude. If you're down in Austin, check him out. He makes a lot of uh, bags and belts and coasters and key fobs and stuff like that. So those are my suggestions. Fantastic. Other stuff. Andrew, my man, what you got? I'm sorry. I have one last question. (laughs) (laughs) I literally literally just asked you if you had more questions. How How do people find you? How do they reach out to you to enter into that dialogue to get a thing made of leather from you. All right. You can contact me at EA eight. Um, if you want to see what I'm up to with leather stuff, EA leather goods, but I don't check those DMS as much as I should because I suck at business. Um, but if you hit me up on EA eight, say, Hey, this is a so-and-so and I'm looking to have a strap made. I'll send you an email and it breaks down all of your options. And then from there we go on, it's usually like a six or seven DM back and forth on exactly what you want, what watch you're making it, what watch am I making it for? What's your vision of what you want to have incorporated in this watch to match dials or hands, stuff like that. So hit me up on uh, Instagram at EA eight. Um, and that's just the best way to get a hold of me. And what are you charging for a custom strap these days? You've got a, a pretty set price that varies a little bit, I understand. Yeah, uh, right now it's basically 65 bucks a strap. Fuck and off. Then, seriously, yeah, dude. Seriously. <laughs> 65 bucks a strap. And then uh, for more complicated things, it, it, it goes up. Um, it goes up to like 100 So, And, and I but think usually you're picking up a strap for 65 bucks. And you said, uh, I think you said to us offline that you really like to work with like olive suede is your, that's kind of your jam, right? You know what, man? <laughs> <laughs> when I made, 
I that that suede that I I sourced for for your strap, I ended up getting it from a company that makes uh they make like traveling chess like old timey like uh, steamer chess and ballet shoes <laughs> same company makes uh steamer chess and ballet shoes so it was like the interior suede that they use for ballet shoes and that's the only place that i could find that that color that you wanted it's money dude it's <laughs> it's my fa- it's my favorite strap i've ever had <laughs> well i appreciate it thanks but yeah um but yeah, that's what that's what I'll do to make sure that the color's right out. <laughs> I'll order shit from New Hampshire. So. <laughs> it, it was like a what a four four month process to source that leather. Dude, I, I I yeah I ordered in a bunch of different colors and, the, and none of them worked. None of them looked right. You know they were different from the pictures or they were different when I got them into the right lighting. And I'm like, well, this all right. So I just you know that was the one that won. You you know so. I've got a reputation to maintain. Let's can can I. Can I clarify a point? The the difficulty in finding the right leather had nothing to do with me and everything to do with you, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's my personality. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Andrew, attempt number two. Other thing, go. So my other thing, it's not really a whole other thing. It's just a whole day of another thing. We got to go steelhead fishing yesterday, and it wasn't great. In that we caught one fish between the two of us. Yeah, but that's winter. That's winter steelhead but fishing. It was such a good day. The weather was awful. It was pissing rain. It was cold. My w- waterproof jacket is no longer waterproof. Quote, and I quote unquote waterproof. And I I learned that uh, while thigh deep in a river, <laughs> and rain coming from below because it's splashing <laughs> off of the river, and then from the side, and I was like, man, I'm I'm wet. I think my waders are leaking. And I, I reached my arms inside. And I'm like, oh, no. My jacket is porous. You look like I was just a dejected so wet So wet. And it was like just dripped down my front. Some of the, the water absorbed through my rain shell, ab- absorbed through my insulation layer, absorbed into my T-shirt, and then started working down my pants. So by the time I was out of my waders, I mean, you saw I was wet just straight down my thighs. Below the knees, I was great. So my waders held up just fine. But I, it was. I have jacket. a theory. I have a theory. Do it. You peed. Well, I obviously peed. Yeah. That was the first thing I said. I wish we could fish in wetsuits so I could just make pee pee. <laughs> the problem is, I'm not wearing neoprene bottom boots. So if I pee, it's just I'm just gonna slosh it on pee pee for the rest of the day, and that's no <laughs> that's not good. We don't need that. So anyway, we went steelhead fishing, and we fished this little uh, a little creek off of the Sayusla River, and it was blown the fuck out. Nah, it wasn't blown Dude, out. Dude, it, it was, was high. so high. It was high. It wasn't blown out. There's a difference. There, It it was pretty bad, man. There were trees that were wholly submerged. It, it was, it, there's a difference between high and blown out, and it was high. There was trees floating down the river. Color was perfect. Yeah, I, not having fished there before, I, I am going to take take issue with the color being perfect that's when it was still winter steelhead on a fly winter steelhead on a fly is like the hardest type of fly fishing you can do it was a great day of fishing we had delicious burgers and we played on what i think is the best shuffleboard table we've ever played on Mm -hmm. such that we ended up having we we ended up playing three games have we ever talked about shuffleboard on the on the show i think we have it would be shocking if we hadn't because that's like Bar game numero uno. So I think at this point we've played on, you know, between the two of us, 
almost every shuffleboard table in Lane County. Definitely, I think. And and I think that's the best. So there's a there's a place in Lane County called Deadwood. If you don't need to be there, you I'm telling you, you don't need to be there. You How, wouldn't even know if you were there. However, however, best shuffleboard table in Lane County. Absolutely. Full, it's old. It's oh, ugly. And it's full length though. Perfect. And it is the surface is great. There was one really mild imperfection. Mm-hmm. On, uh, on on one corner, it just gave it, it some character, though. It just yeah, just a slight. It wasn't one of those where you're like learning to like slide your rocks through moguls, because there's those tables that we've played on. They're like, all right, it's gonna cut left, cut right. It's gonna hang on the edge, and then it's gonna break really hard. No, none of that. It was just <laughs> it was a good table to play on, and Eric we had a terrific day. Er- Eric, are you okay? I thought you guys were talking about shuffleboard. I'm like, where the fuck are these guys i thought it was like an like florida proper, style like florida like no no on the floor shuffleboard and no we live in oregon me. they're talking about a bar shuffleboard <laughs> like what kind of bars do you have like <laughs> these guys and waiters playing proper shuffleboard on the ground i'm like that must look ridiculous but you were in a bar okay at, i get it at that point we were no longer we were no longer wearing waiters uh i was wet enough that i ought to have been i was still very wet down the front yeah <laughs> I was. I'm wearing like long underwear yeah. in the bar. Yeah, yeah. We, but we <laughs> weren't not? out of place in Deadwood. That was the interesting part. So that was that was our day. Just a good day of winter steelheading that that resulted in in burgers and shuffleboard. And you were using a new a new a new yeah. steelhead. So rig. I did. I got so I got a new steelhead rod uh, at Cabela's right now, y'all. You can go buy one of the uh, Cabela's brand Bighorn eight weight four piece nine foot rods for 80 bucks you know and it it's it's actually a really nice setup for it, 80 bucks i've never seen anything that nice for 80 bucks no it, it does a job i have the i have the four or the the yeah the four or five weight companion as a trout rod it does it it does the work it's got decent action the reel's a little loud it's a little bit slow but that's totally fine for 80 bucks dude yeah. totally totally perfect um so i've got another thing what's it i've got another thing i watched a movie uh, I watched a movie last night that is a Best Picture nominee. And it's one of the few Best Picture nominees that I've had a little trouble finding. Um, it's it's a Korean movie by Bong Hoon-jo uh, called Parasite. Have you seen it? Yes or no? No. Holy shit, it's good, dude. Is it all Korean language, too? Uh, it, it's in Korean, so there's okay. subtitles. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to read. You can't uh, you can't do something else while you're watching it. You know, as you can do with some things. Uh, so you're gonna have to pay attention and read subtitles. But I usually have to read subtitles anyway because I don't hear well. The subtitles are always <laughs> on in my house, and I'm pretty sure that's gonna help the literacy of my children. Right. Right. Uh, totally fantastic movie. The plot is. Uh, it's just the the way they roll out the way they roll out uh what's happening in the movie is is fantastic the relationships are phenomenal um just a totally totally fantastic movie i loved it uh it, it's not going to win best picture but it maybe should beautiful uh scary funny really good really good parasite so it's available the reason i bring it up now is we've been trying to find this you could 
buy it on a couple of different retailers about a month ago. And then about two weeks ago, it became available on a bunch of different retailers. You could buy it for the 20 bucks. It's available to rent now. So you can rent in HD for, I think, six bucks. No, I'm not going to watch it till I can stream it for free because I pay for enough streaming services. That You're terrible. No. You're terrible. Dude, I have all of them. It's awful. <laughs> Eric, you know the Dural. Other thing, what you got? Well, the piggyback are my levels, right? Uh, a little different, but I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Um, the piggyback on what you were saying about subtitles and you have to watch it. Um, I spend a ton of time sitting in an office behind a desk or at my leather workbench. So I listen to about four or five audiobooks a month. Um, and that can become expensive. You go audio. So my other thing is public libraries. Oh, yeah. Have, uh, this is so good. For free. And you can rent as many as you like, you know, six or seven a month. Um, that's my other thing. I've I burned through audiobooks. Uh, all the Vince Lynn, Brad Thor books, the Jim Busher Dredston files, anything from uh, Neil Gaiman. I listen to the same books over and over again. So, yeah. That's and, you, my other thing. and you check them out at the library. Tell, how does that work? Uh, how, how does that work? There's an app called Libby, and you punch in your library, and it will pull up the library in your area, and then you punch in your library card, and then you just do a search for all their audiobooks. They're, they're all categorized, you know, military, fantasy, uh, stuff like that. And then you, you just run them out. And it downloads straight to your phone. How long is the rental on on those? Uh, it's usually like uh, like fourteen days to twenty one days, depending on how long you want to rent it for. So, I've I've heard of that before. I've never tried it. I just pay for Audible and yeah, I listen to my, my however many books a month and yeah. eat it when I can't. Yeah, the, yeah, the Audible one book a month isn't enough. I'm doing you know four or five. So yeah. Public libraries, there's they, they, still a reason for them. And you're paying for it anyway. You might as well use it. You know, well, yeah, our, our public library here are free. So, you know, you just kind of freely uh, download as many books as you want. I think I think Andrew maybe means you're paying for it in the sense that taxes. Oh, you're taxes. paying taxes. That's true. Yeah. I think if that's where our taxes go anymore. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully. At least a couple bucks here and there go there. You know, I've read some doomsday articles uh, and, and reports in the last couple of years about uh, the public library going the way of the dodo. And uh, that would just be a real shame. So I think I think Eric's hit something. Support your public library by patronizing your public library. Yeah, and you don't actually have to go there anymore. You can just, you know, download it onto the app so you don't have to deal with the scary librarians. <laughs> Well, uh, on that note, I think it's probably a decent time for us to to start wrapping. Eric, do you got anything else before we break for the day? No, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm honored. Um, you guys have done some really cool interviews uh, with the people that you got on. Um, all really cool people. So when you contacted me and asked me, I'm like, sure, I guess. You know, <laughs> it's so boring. Um but yeah, uh, you guys, I, I started listening to your podcast from number one and I listen to it every week. It's, it's, it's good times, man. Thank you so much for saying that. And, and thank you so much for coming on. Honestly, it's an honor for us to have you here. Andrew, do you got anything else today? 
Not this time. You got nothing else. You sure? Pretty sure. All right. Well, one last thing, though. <laughs> Eric, it was awesome to have you on. Really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20. Check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20. We didn't talk about the new YouTube, but we'll get there. We have a YouTube channel. There's podcasts on it. Also, there's a watch review of the fantastic the fantastic, fantastic notice sector dive watch. That's just at 40 and 20. I've got to figure out how to say that part, part of this YouTube at 40 and 20. <laughs> Check us out on <laughs> patreon.com slash 40 and 20. That's where we get all the support for the show. That's how we pay for hosting. That's how we pay for the things that make the show run, including these microphones and this recording board and all that good stuff. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday. Wait, wait, check out Eric at EA at EA leather goods on Instagram. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs>